The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. is Reality Realty, building a real estate-informed community, one epic show at a time. Yesterday, Donald Trump was teaching the world the art of the walk-back, an even advanced-level walking-back of a walk-back. The media was busy trying to decide who were the winners and losers in yesterday's cabinet shuffle by Justin Trudeau. And there's been no shortage of speculation concerning how the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to rule... I said rule the NHL with Austin Matthews and John Tavares. But you won't find any walkbacks here. No winners and losers, only winners, and no speculation, only the facts. So grab yourself a favorite beverage and settle into your Thursday morning real estate forum where we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. Last week, last week we started part one of a three-part series. We didn't really know it was going to be a three-part series. Uh, we, we suspected it could be a two-part series, but questions just kept popping up. It became a three-part series. So we started last week looking at the features we can incorporate into our homes to make them more accessible for people who have disabilities or for people who would like to just age in place, stay where they are and not move um, because they're in the home they know and they love. And it's also for people who'd like to make improvements to their homes to enable friends and family with limitations and disabilities to visit more freely. Joining us again this week will be Carol Ann Bell-Smith, and we'll continue talking about accessibility features and funding for accessibility rentals. But first things first, let's take a look at our snapshot report of Northumberland's residential real estate market for July 19, 2018. There have been 125 single-family residential sales over the past month, and that's a decrease of eight sales since last week's report. That leaves us with a rising inventory of 462 residential listings for sale. Average selling price of successful sales over the past year has remained steady at approximately $397,000. And during the past year, people have received, on average, approximately 98% of their asking price in a market time of 45 days. Northumberland County is moving towards a balanced market with an absorption rate at approximately 27% based on the past month's sales trend. We're still in a seller's market, but moving towards balanced. This means we have a residential home inventory that can satisfy approximately 3.7 months of sales at the rate homes have been selling. 
I research these Northumberland County statistics and calculate the absorption rate using information from the CoreLogic's matrix system. And matrix is the local realtor component of the MLS system. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be area specific, specific to the property type you're dealing with, and the price band it's in. So talk to your local realtor to understand the Northumberland market information that's most relevant to you. Today's mortgage rates, the five-year fixed is still as low as 3.34%, and a five-year variable is as low as 2.66%. And as always, some conditions do apply when applying for a mortgage. And today's mortgage rates come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant, not to be confused with our guest coming in the studio soon, Carol Ann Bell-Smith, but our mortgage rates are from Carol Ann Bryant, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Centers Alliance. That is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market right here in Northumberland County. And this is just a reminder that the views and opinions expressed here on Reality Realty or any of the articles presented do not represent the views and opinions of the station, of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, of any other real estate brokerage or any other realtor. There simply are views and opinions at this time. In the studio with us this morning, we have Carol Ann Bell-Smith, who is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to knowing the ropes pertaining to home accessibility. And this is week number two. Carol Ann, welcome back to the show. You're welcome. And um, so you were here once. I'm always so pleased when somebody is here once and they're willing to come back. You know? This is a fun time. Why wouldn't you want to come back? I love I love that attitude. I really I really like that attitude. Yeah, and, and, and we do have fun here. Um and um, you know the fun that the fun that fronts all the chaos in the background, right? Lots of chaos. Lots. And Dale is no stranger to chaos, yeah. as he is my real estate agent. As I search <laughs> for a home, and he has been initiated into the world of um, what living with a disability is like, and is carting wheelchairs upstairs and helping me transfer and doing all kinds of things that an average real estate agent might not do uh you know what i and i i really appreciate it and and i love working with you and cliff and and it's been it's been really eye-opening i mean i've had an idea of possibly what would be involved um i haven't thought about it much but you know there's been a few times where i might go into a home that's been set up for some degree of accessibility and and it does make me think at that point hmm you know what what would it be like uh, if, if for those people to move and where would they have to go in considerations and now working with you is um is it's just been a, a pleasure and and I'm learning like crazy and loving it and so in this show last week I got I got uh, a handful of comments I can do a show Caroline and and you know I might not get a comment that week, but I've got a handful of comments this past week over our show last week. People have really enjoyed it so, and, and got a lot out of it. People have contacted me as well, and so I think it's a really important topic that really doesn't have a, a place to happen in front of um, 
an audience who who might need to hear it or who may need to hear it tomorrow. I mean, yeah. today your day could look like any other day, and tomorrow it could look very different. Mm-hmm. And 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 maybe and and you you told us last week, and and not everybody listening today may have heard last week's show so uh i think it'd be good just to maybe go over um what 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 your what your experience has been and how you got to this place where you have become uh, a a wealth of knowledge on uh, a home and its accessibility and uh, all the all the little details attached to it well, it's funny. I had never thought of needing these kinds of things, just like everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. I was um, a nurse for many years and worked in trauma and ICU, CCU, and then taught. And, you know, I, I never in a million years imagined that I could end up in a position that these things um, would be something that I need. But, you know, it happens. And I, if there's one message I can send out that... You know, you just don't know what could mm-hmm. happen and your life could look very different. And that isn't bad or or, or you know sad or anything it's just different um, um, in fact there was a big disability study released um, a couple, couple years back showing that actually folks who live with disabilities are on average happier than the average um, Wow yeah that's absolutely true <clears throat> it's true and it's true for me I you know I'm a happy person but again tomorrow the door opens and who knows what could happen and these things are are good to know and they're good to know in in advance as well because when you're in the thick of acquiring a disability or or having something happen or you know a child or a parent or a sibling um that's a hard time that's a chaotic time so if you have in your kind of back of your mind some things that may help that you can go oh i remember listening to this radio show and there were some things that i think would be important here mm-hmm. and and if you think about it uh, we're talking about making a home accessible and it could be accessibility for a disability it could be an accessibility for just aging and and having having limitations come on you i mean it could be something that's in your in your genes and it's going to happen it could be an accident that you can't foresee but the thing is if you know if if things don't go what we would consider right and something goes wrong and and then you're suddenly like you say suddenly thrown into this but if everything goes right in your life what we would consider right we do know you'll get old and we do know with age comes limitations so if you start thinking about some of these things um now in your homes today if if builders start thinking about some of these things and we'll get into this universal design again i mean we did a lot of things and we we kept pulling back and and referring to universal design in everything we talked about because it's so key. But um, yeah, it's it's not something that's going to limit the value of your home um, if you keep this in mind. I, I just wanted to, Caroline. I just wanted to review first just some of the things we hit on last week. Last week we covered the exterior of the home, the outdoor features that aid in making our outdoor space accessible and usable by everyone. We talked about 
flooring in the home and you were mentioning a super key feature is getting the right flooring we talked about doors door widths transitions door handles we talked about uh common features uh, a common feature being a ramp and the different um uh steepness and and uh what they can be made out of and and so forth and ramps are very common in disability things um homes we talked about techie stuff technology creating a smart home with uh google home amazon echo uh apple home pod and and the likes room shapes and sizes were very important and and every all of those features that we talked about we kept coming back to universal um design Uh, can you explain again for those who didn't hear last week when we keep talking about universal design, what are we talking about, and why is it so valuable to us? Well, universal design is a way of, of having a house that is accessible and usable by most people. But when you come into the home, you wouldn't necessarily identify it as such. It's universally accessible in that um, when you come to, for example, my front door, it's kind of got a graduated path with gardens all around it, and and you would never think it's a ramp. It's just a graduated garden path, and the door is wide, just naturally. And I think every home builder should, I hope some of them are listening today, should make exterior doors 36 inches. It's not hard. It doesn't cost that much more. It's maybe a $10 extra for a door. I went to mm-hmm. Home Depot and I did price the doors. Yeah. Um, and so those are the kinds of things, just wider and wider doorways in the interior. And I think if there's one universal fact you and I have discovered in our home search, and I think we've seen, have we've seen north of 30 homes, would you say? We, you know what? I'm not keeping track. <laughs> I'm not keeping score, okay? But it might be 50. I'm we, sorry. <laughs> we've seen a few homes. We've seen a few homes. <laughs> and basically all of them have had the issue of a too narrow doorway. So in a universally designed home, that doorway would be 33 inches. In a universally designed home, you wouldn't look around and see sort of utility-type um, renovations, for example, the winged... Um, the wing taps or the elongated sink, you wouldn't necessarily see them. You'd see a sink that's beautiful and taps that are beautiful but do function in exactly the same way as a institutional type of renovation. And so you look around and all you see is a beautiful home. You don't necessarily go, hey, this is a wheelchair accessible home or an accessible home. No, and and as we're getting into this universal design and and I'm... Whoops, Daisy, my chair just fell down. And I'm... And I'm studying it up before our show and and researching some examples of it. And after talking to you about it, uh, what I'm realizing is a lot of the components of universal design are are items that the mainstream would just love anyways. I mean, when I when I work with a buyer and we go into a front door that's wider than most all the other doors. People that don't require um, accessibility, uh, an extra width door, they're liable to say, wow, I love this big wide door. I mean, it's, it's also attractive, and that's part of universal design, is the aesthetics of it as well. Um, it's not going to limit um, the, the value of your home like, like maybe original accessibility features might because like you said it, it would look institutional at times and t- and i i've seen some really sad sad 
cases where somebody has put in 150, 200, 300 thousand dollars into an accessibility renovation, and it looks institutional, and they go to sell their house, and not only can they not get all of that money that they put in for the renovation, it actually devalued their house fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Now that, to me, is just so sad when it a person is, is already is. challenged and then suddenly then they have to buy another place and put all this money into it to only to devalue it again and you know they're the last folks that need to have that kind of thing happen to them yeah and and i think the true the true result of a successful universal designed home is the fact that you do go into a home and you just think it's beautiful and you don't even realize that it's accessible to everyone. The only people that really pick up on it are the people who need it. Absolutely. In fact, um, and if folks are wanting to know what that looks like, they can have a look at my house is actually for sale, 107 Craig Road in Coburg. <laughs> there's, there's a plug. There's a plug. But it's actually in a way not because I would like people to take a look at the pictures Yeah. and and look inside. And when you go in, you'll, first thing you'll notice is go, wow, look at the open space mm -hmm. in here. That's, Very open. That's universal design. And all of there's no hallways. The bedrooms are off the main room and their doorways are wide. And again, that's an mm -hmm. accessibility feature you wouldn't even recognize. You would think, wow, look at those are, you know, the, everything's on the perimeter. It looks sort of open. Mm -hmm. and you know, So if you want yeah. to see an, an example, because I think folks have seen examples of an institutional type renovation, but maybe not universal design. It hasn't been around long enough for... Uh, enough houses to be that way. My dream is that every house eventually will be built by the principles of universal design. And so yeah. when you get a new house, you just know it'll be fine if something should happen or if a family member needs to move in or a, or a child or a sibling has a disability, they can come visit. And I, I really don't feel like, you know, some people say it's my dream that dot, dot, dot. And it's like, okay, you know, um, keep dreaming, keep up that. But when you say that, that's not far-fetched. That's like realistic. It would just make it would just make a few people, few organizations, just uh, agencies, just to say, "Hey, this is how we do it now," and nobody be sorry afterwards. And it doesn't cost yeah. more. It might to save do us it. all more because yeah. we wouldn't ever even need to produce those small doors. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, it's only one size door. We don't yeah. have to have a car carry a range of doors. Yeah. And how great would that be? And you know, mm -hmm. a, a builder who did that, I think, would sell houses far faster than an, an average builder because you know you're buying a house that's going to be good for you no matter what happens. Well, and and uh, Mark Rollins, um, he created Ryerson Commons, and he built his his. Uh, residences like that i i don't know to what degree but i certainly know he he kept um accessibility in mind and they were very it was a very popular uh a development Absolutely. are there are there any homes for sale in ryerson common right now dale hmm. i i'm trying to think uh it's not like i have those ones memorized but I don't think there is. No, I've, no. I've been looking, actually. There, and there hasn't been, through all of my this particular journey of looking, there hasn't been any for sale. Yeah. So I, because people want those types of homes, mm -hmm. I think they really do. I visited Curve Lake Reserve back a month or so ago, and one of the things I was struck by was about 70% of the homes there 
have ramps to get in so folks with disabilities can visit each other. And I thought to myself, there's a forward-thinking community. Mm -hmm. You know, the visitability, we talk about yeah. that. Your ability to go to a friend's house and have dinner just like everyone else. That's a, you know, a major thing. But principles of universal design, that would, you know, you wouldn't have to think that way. You would just know you could go to a friend's house. All right. Well, Carolyn, we're going to get started on rooms. We went feature by feature last week. We're going to start rooms. We, we're, we're at break time already, but we're going to start rooms. We're going to hit the kitchen. We're going to get into the bathroom. I think those are some key rooms to start with. And then from there, uh, if there's other rooms you want to talk about, we're going to talk about also funding to get projects done today we we're going to get that in and uh, and i think we may have time for a little bit more so folks you've been listening to reality realty northumberland 89.7 fm's local real estate talk join us after this break and we'll continue looking at the features and the best ways to make your home accessible for aging in place for disabilities and visitability and much more be back soon it's back, bigger and better. It's Northumberland 89.7 Summer Music Series. It all takes place beginning July 4th and runs till August 29th from 7 till 8.30 p.m. in Victoria Park. Grab your lawn chair and a few friends and come out and enjoy some of the best talent Northumberland has to offer. And best of all, it's free. You can check out our summer lineup on our website, northumberland897.ca. The 2018 Summer Concert Series brought to you by Cameco, Town of Coburg, and your friends here at Northumberland 897 Truly Local Radio. Hope to see you there. Northumberland Arts featured artist this month is Alex Gifford of Port Hope. She has studied art history, fine art, and jewelry fabrication at various institutions including the University of Toronto, Halliburton School of Arts, and George Brown College. This exhibition features local landscapes, colorful houses, and floral themes. All paintings are acrylic on canvas. Also exhibited is a stunning collection of her jewelry. The exhibition will continue until Sunday, August 5th at 8 Queen Street in Port Hope. Visit us Thursday to Saturday, 11 to 5, or Sunday, 1 to 4. Welcome back. This is Northumberland, 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest this morning is Carol Ann Bell-Smith, and we're looking at best ways to make your home accessible for living uh, and also at the same time maintaining your investment by incorporating universal design concepts. So, Carol Ann, let's look at room at a time and... And the room, the room I always think about in a house the most is the kitchen. I mean, the kitchen quite often, well, the kitchen is to me the hub because it's where so much happens. It's where our, our meals get put together. It's, it's where we do our cleanup. It's where so much social time happens too, I, I find in my life and in and, and friends and family's lives. I, I find it's a common uh, place. And... And because so much activity happens there, what a key place to have that accessible and usable by everyone. So when we're looking at kitchens, what do you think we need to consider when making our home accessible? Well, the first thing, and I agree with you, Dale, it is, it, and I'm a, a cook. I love to cook. I've always loved to cook. My family loves to cook. So this is really important. An open space in the middle of that kitchen with a five-foot turning radius because 
you know, you're going from the sink to the stove to the fridge. You have to be able to do that triangle. If it is a triangle, you have to be able to spin the wheelchair, and so you've got to have an open space in the middle. That's number one. Um, and after that, of course, your appliances. And those are um, not too hard to make accessible. I mean, mm-hmm. knobs in the front, if you've got a, a traditional stove, that helps as well. Um, it's up a little bit high for most folks. If you happen to have a seat elevator in your wheelchair like me, mm-hmm. it helps a little bit. Um, but having the cooktop at a, a wheel under height is a, a really good thing. And you can make that such in, in the way of a kind of desk, such that it actually doesn't even look like an accessibility feature. Mm-hmm. It just looks like it's a really interesting-looking uh, stove. Um, I recall having in my last house a, a semicircle carved out, but it was a special shelf, and it was stained, and it looked just exactly like the kitchen, and I would have a lot of my pots and things, and it almost looked like a design feature. Okay. And yeah. it was accessible. So it worked very well. And of course the fridge. Fridge is really key um, and a lot of fridges are not accessible. Having your freezer accessible to you is really important. If so you a, low, a low freezer. A freezer on the bottom Which is helpful. Which more and more fridges, I mean, I'd, would would could we say over 90% are being made that way anyways now? I hope so. I, I think so. so. Yeah. I think so. It's an excellent feature yeah. to have. And of course a workspace. Something that you can wheel under and do your chopping and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and I've chose not to have my countertops lowered. I didn't need to. I'm six foot one. And so even sitting in the wheelchair, I'm not that different from an average height. So they didn't need to be lowered. But I have a, a kind of a desk feature. And I've had it in two homes now that it's just now it's actually not for accessibility, but it, it's a desk, just mm-hmm. like anyone else's desk. It's got a quartz countertop on it, and I can do my cutting, my chopping, and rolling my pastry, or anything I need to do that way. Well, and and I'm seeing that often in kitchens that were not created for necessarily accessibility in mind and universal design in mind, but people like to have a little lower part for for their for their like office space where maybe they might sit down and and be on the phone um, or sit down and pay some bills on the computer and they might even have a computer set up there so to have varied uh, various heights of countertops I mean I think that's just a, a key idea for children I mean uh, younger families who have children and and being being able to stir the pot um you know and help mom and dad uh make dinner and be lower as opposed to being on a, a precariously on that stool balancing while you're doing something you're just learning to do uh, there's so many benefits and and nobody's going to bat an eye seeing multi-level countertops no in fact I think it, people have told me it's more convenient. You can bring a chair up. The other side is sort of semicircular shape, mm-hmm. so uh, chairs can be brought up. You, it's actually a breakfast bar, and you can be doing your paperwork, um, office things, and the, because the home is open concept, any universal designed home would be that way. You can look out into the living room, see the kids doing their homework, or um, you're, you feel like you're involved in family life, um, just naturally, just by design. Mm-hmm. So gone or gone... Gone should be the the galley kitchen. The galley you, kitchen. And yeah. I don't think it worked for anyone. Uh, nobody really liked it. No. How many times have you banged your knee on an open 
drawer in a galley kitchen it yeah. or or you know you go to open the fridge and you smack a partner in the face on the other side who you didn't see coming because you can only look one way in a galley kitchen it yeah. doesn't really work at all no uh, or there's really no room to stand directly in front of the stove as you're opening the door you sort of have to be slightly off to the side um just to have room to open the that big stove door uh, so many reasons you're pulling a turkey out and then having to do it from the side so one yeah. side is heavier and it could touch your mm-hmm. arm and yeah. burn it, it just doesn't work for anyone but yeah. an open concept kitchen it doesn't have to be large one my one of my kitchens was 10 by 10 mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the most functional kitchens i've ever had but that that square footage was more of a square than a long rectangle. Exactly. It was yeah. a perfect square. Yeah. And I had a little Ikea table that I got that was on wheels. You would never know it. And it just wheeled around and I could chop my vegetables and wheel it to the sink and place the table back at the end. You would never know that that was an accessibility feature. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's, you know, when, when homes are being built and the developer wants as much, as much, um, homes to be built in that development because then they're going to optimize their their return on investment and I'm thinking likely the township wants as many, uh, the town or municipality wants as many homes for tax purposes as they can. So you see homes being built on such a, a narrow frontage. So we get so many of these rooms that are long and narrow, which we just talked about it doesn't work in a kitchen but it doesn't even work in a living room in like it's something like a living room without appliances where everybody's turning their heads 90 degrees to talk over their shoulder to the person beside them because it's almost impossible to have too many people talking across from each other because you're you're in a hallway that you call the living room you know, and when you think about some of the older homes, even some of the older square bungalows, the brick bungalows from the 50s, those were small, discreet mm-hmm. homes, lovely homes, but those rooms were all square, and yeah. everybody could look at each other, and so we've lost that a little bit. And I think one of the beauties of a, an open concept um, kitchen, living room, or you know, any family area is that, that very thing. We don't lose people, and maybe that's one of the reasons You know, we're losing some of our kids to electronics is we're not facing them we're not in mm-hmm. the same room we're not able to engage with them because these long narrow rooms don't necessarily it, oh my goodness we've had we've had kitchens where there'd be a big din- dinner going on and, and my caroline you know next thing i'll hear in the next room is her saying everybody out of the kitchen you know and it's like <laughs> you know she's trying to get things done and and likely the girls were in there trying to help or or get a juice or something and and the kitchen was just too small and it's like all of a sudden this ultimatum comes out from the kitchen everybody out of the kitchen and <laughs> and maybe i even said a little nicer than what, <laughs> what it was well i can time. understand you're in this tiny space and you've got you know you don't want to step on people you don't want people to step on you or get hurt and and that was one of the reasons of, you know that I wanted this open concept beyond accessibility, which it is, is that no matter if I'm working in the kitchen, I can see everybody and I'm involved in family life mm-hmm. and I'm not squirreled away in some space. And we sometimes go to a family Christmas uh, party and that exact thing happens. Cook is in the kitchen. Everyone else is in a room, a small room off to the side, not involved. And, you know, magically din- dinner appears. But, you know, 
to me it's just it, it kind of lacks that family feel when you can mm. be together in the same room yeah we we talk about doors door widths and now we're thinking about kitchen what about that beautiful island that has a beautiful quartz or granite countertop and beautiful cabinetry and 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 there's features within that island that just work so well maybe it has an electrical outlet so it's super handy but what you can be forming there with that island is another doorway uh, between that and the opposite counter or between that island and the fridge or something like that. And we both know we've run into that already, haven't well, we? Well, we didn't buy a house because of that one thing. So mm -hmm. for people out there wanting to sell their houses and they're thinking of doing renovations, that was the reason, the only reason we didn't buy a house was because I couldn't fit between the island and the fridge or on the other side between the cupboard and the island. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so, you know, when we talk about floor space, uh, think about those islands too. Have you created this beautiful island, but it's actually not usable for everyone just keep your your clearance of 36 inches between mm -hmm. any obstacle in the island and you'll be good to go magic number 36 yes. more would be even nicer it would be it would be. be and then you don't have to calculate every uh angle that you're approaching something on right no or break any toes um no. going around a corner yeah yeah got large feet like mine uh, and there's not enough space that's what happens oh <laughs> oh yeah okay i don't even want let's move on that's, <laughs> i can't handle that stuff um how about just reaching things in the kitchen like uh pots pans kitchen tools different items like that what are some universal design concepts that can help you with that well pots are naturally heavier um, and they're something you don't want to fall from a great height. Why do we create pot cupboards that are on the top? Mm -hmm. doesn't seem, you know, there's some stoves that have a drawer, but most now have an oven, a second a, oven. A so warming the, oven or something, yeah. And they were kept close to the floor because you don't want to drop them and yeah. crack your floor or your feet. So I have a big drawer. Um, instead of uh, traditional smaller drawers I have larger drawers and in can go actually all my plates are in a big large drawer all of my glasses and they're on the bottom rather on the top same with the glass if you're reaching up for a glass the chances of you dropping it and if you happen to have porcelain or ceramic floor mm -hmm. it will not survive the trip but if you have them at your um, arm's length, you lift the glass out to the counter, less chance of breakage. Makes sense for everyone and is way more accessible. Now, did I do it? Because we just, we just got started last week. We just started mentioning kitchen. And then we looked at time and said, ah, that's for next week. Did you mention something about pull-down cupboards? Yeah, there are pull-down cupboards that... Um, the the cupboards are on levers and so you just reach up pull a handle and it brings it down to your own height and that's a possibility um, so as there's well. got to be like uh, assistance to that because what if heavy items are in there um so there must be some shock absorbent uh, hydraulic sort of system within there it to is. to help with the weight. Yeah, absolutely. And it's safe. People use it um, without any difficulty at all. And it, it would have to be very smooth operating because you you don't want to jar that stuff if no, you glasses things yeah. like that no it's, it's you could even put glass smooth. in there absolutely yeah it's just finger touch. Um, finger touch activated it's not hard at all now i haven't found that is something that i would like 
different people, different disabilities. Um, someone who had a spinal cord injury, for example, that would be fantastic. Um, but for me, reaching is not a good thing. I can dislocate mm -hmm. a shoulder easily. So for me, having really functional lower cabinets right at my level, that's the best way. And I think that's the best way for anyone. Having functional cabinets mm -hmm. at the level you know, that you're working is a good yeah. idea. And, and I, I'm thinking too, if you're, because those kind of cabinets pull downs, I mean, everything costs money and we'll, we'll talk about funding in, in the last segment here of the show for sure. Um, but do you want to put the, the money into everywhere you go, bringing, bringing your environment down to you? Or would your money be better spent in just getting a chair that actually lifts up to all environments? Right. And we're making great strides with that now. Um, there are two companies who have seat elevating devices. One, uh, I have a permobile chair, and I just test drove the latest, greatest model, and it comes up high enough that I'm at my normal height that I used to be before I was in a wheelchair. So around, well, I'm 6'1", so it brings yeah. me up to about 6 feet, oh, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's, so now, now at that height, you're getting up higher than most of the population. That's true. Yeah. It's true. And so that's, that's a game changer. And yeah. I noticed even for things I sing in a choir, uh, being, raising myself up to uh, near the level of someone who's singing is really key. So it, it helps you mm -hmm. engage or even sometimes I leave it up when I'm grocery shopping. Uh, invariably, whatever you want is on the top shelf. That's how that works. Yeah, yeah, it for sure. happen any other way. So now I can reach things. So again, a seat elevating uh, device in a wheelchair is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else we need to, to hit in the kitchen considerations or do you think we've covered... Well, sinks, sinks are really important. Right. Um, being able to wheel under your sink would be great. And I have a little shelf under mine that's sort of counter-mounted, so you wouldn't know that mm -hmm. it's a wheel under sink, but it is. And um, a sink that you can reach. So you can get sinks that are not quite as deep, and often I'll get one that is half deep and full deep. Um, or the square ones I seem to find work better for me. Mm -hmm. And faucets. Faucets are really important because um, manipulating and turning a knob is just not possible for many of us. So mm -hmm. having a, a really good um, lever faucet, and mm -hmm. there's so many beautiful ones now that you would never know that that's an accessibility item. I have one with a push-button spray on it um, so that I can you know, spray and clean wash vegetables. And again, that's an accessibility feature you wouldn't even know. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get into the bathroom. And if we can get into the bathroom. If, oh, there you go. That wasn't even a, a, an intended lead-in. <laughs> the bathroom, what are considerations we need to uh, think about if we're renovating or making our home ready for accessibility in the bathroom? Well, getting into the bathroom, number mm -hmm. one, is you have to be able to get in. And what we talked about um, related to galley kitchens works double for a galley bathroom. It doesn't work where you have all mm -hmm. of your counters on one side, tub on another, and one narrow hallway through. Because once you're in, you can't turn around and get out. You have to back out. And um, as we know, most accidents happen in mm -hmm. cars when you're backing out, and that's the same with wheelchairs. You know, you're going to you're going to nick your doors, you're going to hit your tub or mm -hmm. cupboards. So, having a similar to the kitchen, a square um, space in the middle, open concept, and it works better for everyone. Dale, again, you're not banging your knees on doors that are accidentally left open or cupboards, that kind of thing. You've got an open space. You can turn face 
you know, the sink, have access to the toilet. If you need grab bars, they can be installed very easily. Mm-hmm. And a place for the wheelchair to turn and come back out again. And and how about the, you know, our bathing facility, the shower, the tub, and, and different people have different, uh, different uh, disabilities. So... Uh, you know, there, there. I'm sure some designs for for people with some div- disabilities would work, where others would need to be very different. What are considerations in our showers and tubs that we need to look you're, at? You're completely correct. Uh, individualization really is key in the bathroom. Some folks uh, require a roll-in shower, which means that the floor is in that particular shower area is sloped inward to a drain, so mm-hmm. the water doesn't go everywhere in the bathroom, and that is very key. Otherwise, you you know, water damage happens. Flooring, of course, very um, important. Um, my my particular bathroom has the porcelain flooring through it, but I also have um, trim all the way around, uh, four inches in porcelain as well. Mm-hmm. So that eliminates any possibility of any water damage or spills or you know that sort of thing now for those folks who don't necessarily need a roll-in shower you can get um shower glass shower surrounds with built-in seats in them mine Mm -hmm. does you it doesn't look any different than any other bathroom it's got a beautiful glass front and the threshold is about an inch so i'm able to transfer in it's got a built-in grab bar in it again that was just a traditional um, shower stall didn't cost any more than an average one so that's very helpful mm-hmm. and of course grab bars and they're yeah. good for everyone I have a big deep tub and it has a, a section in, in the front it's built in it just looks like a, it's it's got a, a porcelain surround and it's just beautiful where I can transfer and sit on it and there is a, a kind of chrome um, bath bar and I think every bathtub tub should have one of these because one of the most frequent accidents in the home is getting in and out of the tub mm-hmm. you know, it's slippery it's wet those are two bad features together and so every tub should have one and it can look beautiful mine you wouldn't even recognize it as a grab bar it's this beautiful yeah. chrome thing it didn't cost any more than yeah. a traditional grab bar it's just pretty yeah it just it didn't have to be uh, some big color that you know red or or something with a red cross on it that um you don't have anywhere else in the in the bathroom because there's so many options available now aren't there absolutely and a pocket door i love a pocket door and you know it's funny in some of the higher end designs home builders you see pocket doors Mm -hmm. and i I, people like them for the aesthetic value but for for people with disabilities who use mobility aids Mm -hmm. it's wonderful you don't have to the door's not swinging and you're not reaching to try and close it and it just neatly and very gently folds open and closed and it takes up no space it doesn't um you know you don't uh, you're not impeding on your five foot turn radius Mm -hmm. in the bathroom well caroline we're we're at another break time here so we'll pick up we'll pick up we'll finish up the bathrooms after we're done and we'll get right into funding well, we should talk about if there's any other rooms, um, and and then and then we'll get into funding. And so, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and we're going to continue the conversation about making your home accessible. Be right back. If you're a local business owner and looking to get the word out, ask about advertising with us. We're happy to talk to you about how we can help grow your business. Just call 905-372-2391. We're Northumberland 89.7, truly local radio. 
It's a show featuring music that's a little left of center, right of center, and most times right on the edge. It's Country Outlaws and Alternatives. Hi, this is your old pal Rusty, inviting you to join us each and every Monday night at 9, playing the music that many other station staff love, but just won't play. It's an hour of countrified music with soul and just the right amount of cool. It's Country Outlaws and Alternatives, Monday nights at 9, right here on Northumberland 89.7. Hi, I'm Kerry from Sleepmade Simple Mattress Center. We are the exclusive dealer for Canadian-made therapeutic mattresses. We also carry over 200 models of bedroom furniture sets, electric adjustable beds, wall beds, cabinet beds, sofa beds, day beds, bunk beds, futons, sheet sets, duvets, quilts, pillows, and more. We have been putting Northumberland to bed for over 25 years. After deliveries, I get my energy back with an ice frosty from Max Dairy, or a pizza from Jim's Pizzeria, or a Reuben sandwich from the Rustic Bean. Downtown Coburg, eight blocks of awesome. Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is a personal friend of mine. It's Carol Ann Bell-Smith, and our topic is universal design. We could also call it barrier-free design. It's also referred to as accessible design and inclusive design. And it's all about making your space usable to everyone with limitations, disabilities, and does that just about sum it up, Carolyn? It does. Yeah? It does. I mean, why why shouldn't our living spaces be ready for us no matter what happens to us in our life? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because nobody's planning on anything changing, but we all know change happens and, and it can happen very quickly. So, Carolyn, we start talking about rooms. We've talked about the kitchen. We, I think we've covered a lot about the bathroom. Is there, are there more features that need to be considered on the bathroom? We've talked about the, the actual bathing um, facility, being at a, a shower or... Well, we didn't really talk about a tub. No, and uh, um, a telescoping shower head is really key. And that means that it can be used for um, average person, average height. The one that slides down the bar. That's right. Yeah. That's right. For, an, for a person sitting on a bath seat. And again, mm-hmm. that's a universal design principle. The last thing you want is an overhead shower. Um, you have to transfer in and you turn the shower on. We all know it's freezing cold for oh, the first uh, yeah. 30 seconds or so. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, or hot, depending on who's been in there and yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And a shower temperature regulator which is code now i know Mm -hmm. but it's doubly important with someone particularly with a spinal cord injury who wouldn't feel the change in temperature and so i mean it could be quite quite dangerous okay so so that's what about those um those shower those tubs where you it has a door on it i had one of those i did and i i mean principal Absolutely fantastic. It yeah. really is. You can get them actually traditional height tubs for those who are not able to step over mm-hmm. the tub. Again, accidents in the tubs are, are a high risk mm-hmm. for folks with disabilities. But I had the tall one where you, you go in and you yeah, sit. Yeah, that's the one I'm the thinking door. of. It was great, except for I'm six foot one and the water came just above my belly button yeah so it's a little cold you're in there in the in the yeah. tub and you kind of scrunch down but it still doesn't necessarily work for you so mm-hmm. you have to be, and the other thing you have to be careful of is you have to wait for the entire tub to drain before you get out of the tub so if you open that door the entire tub 
will go. Yeah, but the door, you're pushing it against the water. It likely is hard to open against the water, too, right? Well, the water is pushing, the door opens outward. Oh. It can't open inward because you're inward. Oh, I didn't know that about oh, those doors. Yes, it can be. I had it happen once, and it was not. It was not fun. Was a pocket fun. door. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? A pocket door that seals on a tub. Yeah, because then the water pressure would help it seal even more. And a little deeper, so that folks who are taller can get yeah. completely covered by the water. See, because and the water's draining, and you're then then there's nothing around you and you're freezing cold right or if that seat was adjustable somehow and not just yeah, not, not just molded in. molded to one height yeah yeah it was a great tub it had great features like it had it kept the water at um a static temperature it didn't get colder it had jets and therapeutic value was really high it was fantastic for that mm-hmm. just a few little drawbacks yeah. yeah and i'm sure that i'm sure those will get taken care of over the, over the time over time the vanity the vanity is really important because you need to be able to get right to the sink, right? Absolutely. So that that does that typically mean a, a sink where that's attached to a wall as opposed to having a a vanity base, cabinet base? I, I much prefer a cabinet base. Again, mm-hmm. principles of universal design. You don't want it to look like it's. Um, purpose-built mm-hmm. um, and so you can either have a semicircular uh, opening cut out of it and it and it looks beautiful a curtain hanging in front of an opening that sort of thing or you can just or you can have a, a wall mount sink which you know I've seen in many homes and look very attractive and it's again universally mm-hmm. accessible and that I'm trying to think uh, we, we we talked about we talked about flooring last week, and, and floor, the same ideas would apply in the bathroom, I'm Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Nothing fact, changes. More so. Non-slip is really yeah. important. Um, you want something that's durable. You know, for if you have a mobility aid, porcelain is kind of the gold standard because mm-hmm. it's not going to crack. It's going to take the weight. If you have a Ditra mat and uh, mm-hmm. self-leveling cement underneath, and that way you'll never have any problem. It also aids with soundproofing for the floor below, which is, yeah. again, another principle great feature for anybody mm-hmm. and and so i i gotta think of all the items we talked about for for actually bathing likely the the roll-in um shower is the most universal of all of them because anybody can use that right absolutely and i've seen them in, in average homes glass um showers that just look magnificent they're yeah. just fantastic and again ready for you no matter what you need mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What? So we we covered. I think we covered the the bathroom, kitchen, two pretty important homes uh, rooms to cover within the home. Is there is there another? I, every room is important. I know because mm-hmm. the whole space is important. But is there another room that you know we deserve some special attention? Well, I think closets. Um, ah. That's you know something that I use uh, a lot. I you know I like my clothes. Folks yeah. who know me uh, yeah. know that um, you know I like my clothes, and so a walk-in closet is always fantastic. And you know it, that's mm-hmm. sort of what you might shoot for. And many new homes do have walk-in closets. Sadly, though, Dale, they're very narrow. Some of these walk-in closets. It's the doorway again. Yeah. I don't know what it is about these narrow 24-inch doorways, but uh, you know I mean. I see average people walking through kind of turning sideways. It yeah. doesn't work for anybody. No. Why Why are we doing this one? You know, what would it be? An extra $8, $10 for an interior 
door to make it even 32 inches. But sometimes even the walk-in closet itself right. is so narrow that you almost have to side shuffle just so that you can walk along the hangers. True. Yeah. True, and being down low and having things hanging in your face yeah. make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I have just a flat um, closet, and I find it actually pretty good. Make sure your doors are 36 inches again, and everything's close you actually don't have to walk in and i've got um multiple levels of hanging ability um so for long things i may need some help for that but most of the things are accessible to me just by reaching out Mm -hmm. and i think that works for most people anyway i don't think whether they're in a chair or not that having something close to you not having to reach very far for the item uh, is a good idea so so the top shelf basically use it for things that maybe get pulled out once or twice a year storage yeah and in which case you would have somebody give you a hand for that once or twice a year think ahead get it pulled down early and uh Mm -hmm. and use it then right true and if you're going to have drawers in any for any kind of storage um i really love the soft clothes Mm -hmm. drawers they are uh, a lot more smooth and easy to open and also close on their own that last little bit mm-hmm. and i find that very helpful as a person with a disability yeah not to have uh drawers and doors ajar as you're trying to get through right very true yeah very true all right are we are we ready to get into funding we don't have much time left but we could start it's a big topic so so what i think okay. what i'm thinking here and we're we're thinking out loud we're producing the show on air um if we get into some funding right now, okay. and then when we start next week, are you able to join again next week? Yes. Okay, so we'll be able to wrap up this three-part series next week. We'll finish up, which will likely be the bulk of funding, and then we're going to get into the second part of the show, actually selling your home that's been set up for disabilities and buying a home and the experiences you may run into of um, when you're looking to buy a home that you need to uh you need to set up and what and what you have to keep in mind so funding let's get started where where do, where do you want to start this with funding well i've got a few statistics before mm-hmm. we even get to the funding okay. and that is um 26.3% of people over the age of 65 live with a disability so, and uh, when you hit 75, it's 42.5. It doesn't take a mathematician to figure out how important this is because many of us live into our mid-80s mm-hmm. and longer these days. Every year, it seems to increase a little bit. This is really important. And where you are is likely where you should stay if mm-hmm. if you can, if yeah. you can't. And to next week, we're going to talk about the bones of a home to look at, even if you don't have a disability, to make sure that home is conducive to living there with a disability. There, funding uh, for disability renovations, it's scarce. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, it's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Uh, there are some pots of funding, though, for folks. And it's not just necessarily for um, people with disabilities, but for people, uh, low-income folks as well. The housing market has just gone crazy. The pricing of homes, which is limiting folks from changing locations, limiting them from selling their home mm-hmm. and buying another, even though, you know, it's more expensive Uh, Now it's more expensive both ways, but still, it it makes you think twice. And when you're in a home, uh, if you've got a high mortgage, you're having a lot of extra money for Mm -hmm. accessibility items. 
Absolutely. Now, there are things, for example, now for children, let's start there. Mm -hmm. If you have a child with a disability, um, some special pots of funding, Easter Seals, for example, has um, a fund for, of up to $3,000 for things like bathing and toileting equipment, uh, things like a, a, a chair that will go into a tub and then bring you back out of the tub. So three thousand, up to 3000 for the house or, or for, the for, child. The, for the child. For the child. That, that's, that does, doesn't go very far, does it? It doesn't go very but, far. But, but if you need to do it anyways, that that's still three thousand dollars it's three thousand yeah. dollars that you yeah. know you didn't have yeah you know and it it, it will help um, porch and van lifts so suddenly you have a child you, you with a disability who can't get upstairs or is in a wheelchair a porch lift is something to consider um, mm -hmm. and, and a van lift now a van lift three thousand dollars is not going to go very far depending on the size of the child if they're in a uh, mobility um, aid that's pushable or a walker or if if they're in a power chair, you're going to need a power lift, and those things are about $17,000 to buy without installing. So that doesn't go that far. No. Um, and I think the theme here is that if you have a disability or someone you love has a disability, I hope you have means because it's an expensive life. It's an expensive life. But yeah. that $3,000 can cover things like a stair lift mm -hmm. to get you from the main floor to the second floor. Mm -hmm. For wheel purchase of a wheelchair, the assistive devices program covers the purchase of a wheelchair up to 75%, but actually, in, in actuality, it doesn't ever come that high up. You generally are left with a, a quite a bill at the end of it, and that $3,000 would go a long way to help someone who needed a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. This, this part's making me sad, Carolyn. But yeah, it, well, it just—it's just—it's so much money, like you said. Like, hopefully, you have the means, and and uh, you know, us average folks, we we don't necessarily—we're not necessarily ready for that sort of thing. The thing is that knowing about it beforehand, mm -hmm. before this type of thing happens is better than finding yourself in the middle of a very difficult situation and then going, what do I do now? And I guess that's really the goal here, yeah. is to help folks, you know, mentally at least, think about these things mm -hmm. before this strikes. Well, Carolyn, thank you for joining me again. And folks, we, did, we just got started here. We just got started on the, on the funding to help people um, make their homes accessible for disabilities. We're going to continue that next week, and and then we're going to even get into next week the the buying and selling, the actual um, what to look out for and what to be aware of. And thank you, Caroline, for joining me again this week. Thank you very much, Dale, for inviting me. I think this is really important, and I was thinking about this yesterday. We're te teaching people how to stay in their homes, which is not really selling homes, which I know you do for a living. But, but it's that's real estate. It's, it's your home. It's about your home. But it speaks volumes to what kind of person you are that this isn't necessarily going to benefit your business, but you're no. doing it anyway to help people, unless it's some sort of double-blind ninja technique that I don't know about. I think this is wonderful. <laughs> and if folks are interested in, in, in finding a, a truly ethical hmm. real estate agent, I think you need to look no further than Dale Bryant. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you, Carol Ann. Thank you so much for that and for joining. And, and folks, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or for any real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing Dale 
at dalebryant.ca. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage ProLines Realty Brokerage. Don't forget to join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, Truly Local Radio. Until next week, folks.